Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, you know the rest, radio stations, FM translators, and more. Uh, Transistorized radios, you'll find us everywhere. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is Happy Hump Day. This 24th of January, how did we get to the 24th? We're almost all the way through January already. I mean, didn't we just like start the year? Man, I tell you, as you get older, it uh, it really does just click right along, right? Like the wheels on the bus. On the train track, clickety-clack, here we go. Uh, we are, uh, get, we got a little bit of a different, a uh, little bit of a different show today. A little bit of a different uh, show and a little bit of a different uh, take on some things. We're going to be talking, uh, sorry, i got to turn my heater off. It was a little cold in the studio this morning, uh, 10 below here at the uh, at the old uh, radio ranch. Uh, uh, normally, uh, we have Chris Dorian only once a week uh, to do our uplift, our PMA, our positivity, our life coaching lesson. Uh, but today, or yesterday, Chris and I were talking and after the show. And um, he is doing a whole thing uh, recently about um, uh, about uh, teaching people <clears throat> and to try and give people tips and encourage people to do more with public speaking. And um, I thought this would be an appropriate time since, you know, we're probably going to be doing a lot of public speaking uh, here this session where we have to go and stand in front of uh, legislators, or we have to be on the phone, or you know, we have to go in front of our, uh, we have to go in front of our uh, 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 local assemblies or whatever. And um, he's got a bunch of tips on public speaking, and so I thought it would be good to bring him on board and uh, and talk about that to give your concise message to your elected officials in a short, concise way. Uh, and he's got all kinds of tips and tricks to uh, bring all that on and. Um, it's going to be <clears throat> it's going to be a good deal. So, we'll be talking with Chris Story in hour 2 this morning. Uh and we might actually talk him into uh we might actually talk him into doing a little bit of uh, commentary with us uh in the first segment of hour 2 before we get into the speaking tips. Only because I think it's fast. I mean, Chris and I talk about stuff all the time that we don't normally cover on the show. And uh, I think he's got some I think he's got some good insight on some of the things uh, that are happening in the state. And I'd love to I'd love to hear what he have to say. So that's going to be going on an hour two today An hour one. Oh, by the way, that means that uh, 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 Mike Shower, who normally comes on Wednesdays, is actually going to be on with us tomorrow. So we'll we'll we will have a good conversation with him tomorrow and i'm working on some other stuff as well 
including some of the people who were uh, starting to run for office um, and some of the new Senate candidates who are not legislators. So they are currently allowed to get a little bit of a head start here. So we're going to be talking about that maybe tomorrow morning as well. That's about all I can say on it right now. Until I get it clarified, until I get it, until I get it nailed down, we will go from there and see what happens. So what does that mean for us in hour one? Well, first and foremost, it means that uh, I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines uh, for folks who want to give us a ring this morning and talk with us. Uh, so uh, got the phone lines open right now at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Feel free to call in and uh, we'll talk with you and see what, uh, you know, if there's anything uh, that I say that just flips your switch, or if there's anything else that you want to talk about, we'd love to hear what uh, you'd have to. We'd love to hear what you have to say today, in hour one for sure. Uh, answer questions, talk about things, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we might even allow for some phone calls uh, during Chris' story segment. Um, we might, we might do that as well. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how things go uh, here in just a little bit. Um, We'll see how I feel about it when we get down there. Um, all right. <clears throat> so here we go. Uh, what else have we got going on this morning? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the latest report um, on it, because I think you're going to see this coming uh, across the state. The latest report um, uh, on the uh, Anchorage School District and their report to the board on what's going on with their teacher shortage. Uh, and the reason we're going to cover it is because they're the first ones to really come out about it. But I think you're going to see more of this come from other school districts as they jump on the bandwagon for this is why we need more funds because, you know, we got a teacher shortage and and here's how it's going to be a crisis mode. Although, again, um, well, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Comparatives with other places and things like that. We're also going to continue to discuss the uh, battle that's shaping up right now between the House and the Senate over um, uh, over the education funding and the fact that this bill got, you know, I mean, geez, we were like three days into the session and they've already put together a bill uh, and done something. And But there's a lot of commentary on it that, that I just I just have to laugh about I and I'll I'll tell you why when it comes down to that. We'll also talk about um, the uh, remember the remember the incident in Halibut Cove where the float plane was chased down by the boat and you know well the 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 jury's in uh, well the jury's in there <clears throat> the judge has now uh, laid down his sentence um, for which I. Well, I don't. I mean, I just I have some thoughts on this and I, I want to comment on it. And so we'll do that as well. Uh, and <clears throat> and uh, then I guess that that would be the uh, consequences section of the show this morning. We've, there are consequences. And uh, also, of course, there's some consequences in the legislature. And we'll see what is being said about that. And then finally, I'm trying to come up with a new segment um, that uh, we do several, you know, maybe a couple times a week or something. Uh, you know, we have the we have the good news segment, which we do occasionally throughout the week where we talk about stories that are kind of feel good, good news stories instead of all the, you know, because bad news sells. We know that that's, you know, 
But sometimes you just need some good news. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes we just need something that, um, you know, that makes us smile and it's not quite so, you know, doesn't make us want to pull our hair out and everything else. So that's one segment that we're going to be doing more of this year. Uh, we started it last year and, and I don't think we did it nearly enough, but we'll we'll continue to do that. The other the other segment that I think we need to do is this, I, I, don't, I don't know what to call it. I guess I should just call it doomed. That's the segment that we're that we're going to the doomed because sometimes you just sometimes you just see stuff. Sometimes you just hear things and you just look yourself in the mirror and or you look at your spouse and you go, we're doomed. I mean, seriously, at some point, you just kind of look at that and you just go, that's just not. And this just so happened to happen yesterday. I was uh, uh, somebody sent me something and I'm like, what is this? And then I watched it and then I just kind of sat there in quiet supplication for a moment thinking. My God. God, we're doomed. And uh, so I thought, you know, <clears throat> sometimes, um, sometimes I'm just glad to, to, I'm just glad to share this with you, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not glad that it happens, but you just got to look around and go, is this really where we're at? So I guess, um, I guess that's I guess that's what we'll what we'll what we'll do. We'll start off with a new segment called Doomed. And it this will involve, I guarantee you, this will involve a lot of people saying the damnedest things. Okay? I mean, just like men on the street, people on college campuses, sometimes things on social media, of which this is one, and you'll just go. What? 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 I mean, and and sometimes I'll have commentary, and sometimes I'm just gonna leave it hanging there. All right, that's that's kind of how it's that's how how it's gonna roll. But I definitely want to share this with you. Uh, this is the new introduction to our new segment called "I Got to Get Like Intro Music and Everything Else" because it deserves its own little thing. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we're doomed. Can we just also say we don't actually need gravity? But that's a different thing. Like, what do you mean by I that? saw someone do this. Was this a TikTok? We were watching something where someone's like, we don't actually need gravity. We were watching this for me. Like, we actually don't need it. What do you mean that we don't need gravity? What if it was never invented? Invented by who? Sir Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton created gravity? Whoever created gravity, someone did, but we don't actually need it. There was, like, a, time on, all... there was a time on Earth before gravity existed. Yes. Who, who created gravity, babe? Dan? It was well, Isaac Newton. You're right. <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, okay, so first and foremost, I'm just surprised that she actually knew who Sir Isaac Newton was or even knew that the name was associated with gravity. Okay, but the fact that you could go around there and go, um, the fact that you, you know, I'm just, we could just do without gravity. We could just, whoever invented that, boy, they just need the, they just, <laughs> this is on social media. Okay. I mean, this woman is a pair, I don't know who she is. I, I don't even know her name. Um, but apparently she's some 
she she's known apparently. She was important enough to be interviewed on this whatever this thing was, but you know, we just don't need gravity. You know, whoever invented that, we just, you know, so there was a time before gravity was invented that we didn't have gravity. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I'm just, you know, I mean, this is an extreme example of being doomed, but th I mean, they, these are people who are out there and they're actually, you know, they're, they're, they're making money uh, on this kind of stuff. They're doing now. Is she really? I mean, is it real? It looked real to me. It didn't look like it was some kind of fake skit or anything. It looked real to me. Um, she was also working to ban murder guns. Yes, exactly. She was the ones that she was fine. Just she was just fine with protection guns, but she just wanted to, you know, she wanted to make sure those pesky murder guns are out of there. But we don't really need gravity. Yes. I we don't we don't need We are so screwed. This is an entire generation of people who who are going around. And I I'll be honest with you, I see this stuff all the time. And usually I just shake my head, but I'm gonna start pulling these down and uh and we're gonna start sharing these. Um and and we'll we'll we're gonna start sharing these with you guys, and we're gonna start because if I have to suffer through it, by God, you have to suffer through it as well. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm just. I'm, that's all I'm saying. If I have to suffer through it, you are definitely gonna have to suffer through have to suffer through it. So just for posterity's sake, one more time before we go to break, we are doomed. Proof positive right here. Can we just also say we don't actually need gravity? But that's a different thing. Like, what do you mean by I that? saw someone do this. Was this a TikTok? We were watching something where someone's like, we don't actually need gravity. We were watching this with me. Like, we actually don't need it. What do you mean that we don't need gravity? What if it was never invented? Invented by who? Sir Isaac Newton. <laughs> Isaac Newton created gravity? Whoever created gravity, someone did, but we don't actually need it. There was, like, a, time on, all... there was a time on Earth before gravity existed? Yes. Who, who created yes. gravity, babe? <laughs> Dan. It was Isaac well, Newton. You're right. <laughs> yes. Uh... All right. We got <laughs> We got to go. Doomed. Doomed, I tell you. <laughs> Again, but she just plucked Sir Isaac Newton's name right out of the thin air on that one. I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry, I had to start off the day with that, but that was just too good. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Suppository. The Michael Duke Show. <laughs> yes.
<laughs> what you miss is the look on this guy's face, though, because at one point he just looks at the camera like, Oh, man. <clears throat> Jack says no one could be that stupid. Oh, oh, Jack. Oh, Jack, I hate to disagree with you, my friend, but it is possible. It is absolutely possible that people can be that stupid. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> um, no, it, it was not a spoof. I mean, it was, you know, because you can tell usually when it's a spoof kind of thing. Um, all right. I, I'm, I'm glad Bill finally got his, uh, uh, Bill finally got his heater back on. Yeah, it's crazy how that diesel gets thick at when it looks, uh, when it's that, uh, uh, when it gets that cold. It's amazing how thick that is, uh. Uh, what's going on? Uh, all right. Yeah. Oh man. Everything is so slow this morning. Um, trying to decide if I should do a quick reset. Let me do a quick reset right here. We're in the middle of it. I'll do a quick reset. Hold, hold still. Don't go anywhere. Maybe I can make this thing faster. Uh, stand by. Let's just do this. Here we go. Well, I don't know if that's any better or not, but, uh, oof. Man, what is running in the background? <laughs> just everything. All of a sudden, all my everything on my PC is now just like screaming. Hurt me, hurt me. Um, all right. Well, we'll try and we'll try and free up some we'll try and free up some space here in just a minute. See if we can figure out exactly what's going on. Man, a hundred percent CPU usage. So much is actually happening that it won't actually show me what is using my the CPU system interrupts. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see if we can figure this out here. And there we go. Is that better? All right. Well, <clears throat> oh, I got to turn some stuff off. I got to turn off the stuff and that task right there. In that task right there. All right. See if we can uh, turn off some of the some of the background noise here. Maybe that will speed things up a bit on this right now. Good lord. All right. That girl. That girl sounded smarter than our vice president. <laughs> That's. That's spooky, man. That's 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 kind of spooky right there. But I mean, it. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I just it just it never it never fails to amuse me. Never fails to amuse me. All right. <clears throat> Here we are, getting ready to jump back into it. Hopefully, this gets uh, better as the morning goes on. I apologize. Uh, better says Chris, it got better. Okay. All right. I turned off a whole bunch of stuff that was running in the background. Apparently, I don't know, stuff just stacking up, getting ready to go. Oh, I don't need that either. Okay. 
So, sorry, I'm doing technical engineering stuff while we're live on the show trying to get it all done. So, I apologize. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Let's do this thing. All right. <clears throat> we are ready to go. Dive into some of the stories that are uh, that are ours to discuss and contain and uh, work on here. Uh, I got I got some things to say about. Uh, I got some things to say, just in case you were wondering. About some of the stuff that's going on uh, in the legislature, and I have to laugh at—I um, gotta laugh at some of the some of the comments that come out of this. Uh, I want to talk in, a, in just a little bit. I want to talk about reparations because there's a new push, and I'm gonna get. I'm going to get into this because, again, this actually could have been included in the doomed segment. Maybe I should have included this, this th- that with the doomed segment for this morning. Uh, but let's get over here and talk about um, what's going on in the, in the House and the Senate. So, of course, you know that there was the bill on Saturday, right? The hearing, things were going on where they... Um, uh, where they they sat down and the House Rules Committee advanced a bill to the floor. It's got a three hundred dollar increase to the base to the BSA, the base student allocation. Uh, it's got a cost of uh, about two hundred million dollars by the time the whole thing's said and done. But of course, it wasn't. Uh, you know, it's not what it's not what the Senate wanted, and they're upset. But let me just <clears throat> let me just talk for a minute about some of their complaints. Let me just talk for just a minute, you know, uh, about some of their complaints. First of all, some of the some of the some of the legislators said it was unusual to be on the verge of pass. This is, by the way, from the uh, ADN, Sean McGuire with the ADN. Veteran legislators said it's unusual to be on the verge of passing a major policy priority like education reform onto the governor's desk within weeks of the legislators con- legislature convening particularly with provisions that have not been heard by multiple legislative committees with input from Alaskans and stakeholders. I will direct your attention to the final few hours of the session from last year, where there was a whole lot of stuff going on and a final bill that was turned over to the House from the Senate without input from Alaskans or stakeholders or anybody else and a five-hour deadline. So, cry me a freaking river, first of all, okay? That's, I just, you know, that's that's the first thing. Now, nowhere in this does it really talk about where does the money come from. 
you know, other than just from general fund monies. Um, I also found it interesting that at the end of the article, uh, where they start talking about some of the costs that are associated with it, again, the package is going to cost $200 million, $190, $200 million. Um, they, they get into the point where it says uh, Senator Bill Wilikowski uh, said Tuesdays that there are genuine concerns about those projected costs that are built into this bill. About forty million to be spent on uh, homeschooling students. About uh, you know an, another fifty-eight million for teacher bonuses. All the different parts and pieces of this. Now they're concerned about genuine costs because it's not going directly to school. Uh, it's not going directly to you know whatever. But then and then Sitka Republican Bert Stedman said the state's fiscal situation is quote unquote tight as the budget begins to be written. Now, credit where credit's due for the walrus. He has been on record as saying he is not, I don't know if it's, he's not a fan. Maybe he's skeptical about uh, one of the biggest problems I think we're going to be facing, which is defined benefits. He has not shown himself to be necessarily friendly to that idea. Uh, now, maybe it's all lip service or not, but credit where credit's due. He has publicly come out and stated last session that he didn't think now was the time to get into that. Now, whether that holds true for this session or not is a whole nother deal. But we shall see what's going on. But I had to, I just had to chortle at the fact that there are legislators from the Senate, from the majority in the Senate, who are concerned about Alaskans and stakeholders and other people not getting their say about how we're rushing this. How could we just get this? Now, again, this is all smoke and mirrors because if they decide not to accept this or concur with this piece of legislation, then it will go to conference committee and there will be plenty of input on what can happen. Or they could just table the bill and kill it. All right? I could just... They could just, you know, just they they could just take it and or vote it down or whatever they want to do. But this idea that somehow, some way, this is just a shocking, shocking, I tell you, that they would not allow people to have input and that they would stay. And the other thing was that they Christmas. Oh, this is so complex now. Oh, this whole thing is so complex. I mean, it started out as a simple broadband bill, and then you added three more things to it, and that just makes it so complicated. I mean, not like sticking the entire capital budget inside the operating budget and then turducketing it and sending it over with five hours to spare. I mean, nothing like that, but it's just so complicated. The Can you smell the hypocrisy from there, wherever you are? You should be able to smell it from there. I don't care if you're a Nukjavik. Wherever you are, you should be able to smell the hypocrisy of these politicians talking about this stuff from wherever you are because it is rank out there. But this is, dude, this is the opening salvo and dudettes. Dudes and dudettes. Sorry, I didn't mean to misgender you. Uh, This is the opening salvo. Of this legislative session. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, wow. Like, this is a total wow. Uh, f- frustrating, to say the least. 
But uh, get your bucket of popcorn. That's all I can say right now. Just get your bucket of popcorn, sit back and watch, because this thing is going to be uh, crazy uh, for the rest of the session. This is just, I mean, we're, yesterday was a week. Yesterday was, that was, that was yesterday officially marked the week from the beginning. Yesterday at noon. Today is the first, I mean, that, and at least, I mean, again, at least uh, Bert Stedman was the one that said the budget is tight. I want to have a quote of that. I want to have a soundbite of that saying the budget is tight. Every time they present some kind of new idea for state spending, whether it's state funded child care, whether it's more increase on the BSA, whether it's uh, defined benefits, whether it's some program to study the mating habits of the uh, tundra fly or whatever it is that they want i just want to play that over and oh this budget is tight because again even with the most rosy estimates from the department of revenue the projected deficits going out the next eight years are multiple hundreds of millions of dollars in deficit every year that even if the budget just remained Flat with no increases from the legislators, no new programs, no nothing else. Just the baked in stuff would cause it to go up a hundred to one hundred and fifty million dollars each year, which means in five years you've got a three quarters of a billion dollar increase. I just want to throw that out there. I just want to throw that out there. Three quarters of a billion dollars. So um, we'll uh, we'll have to see. We'll we'll have to see um, what where this goes, what happens, what uh, you know, what direction this takes, and everything else. But it is uh, this is just the opening salvo, my friends. And you could already see the ba- the lines are being drawn, and I just can't wait to go pop some more popcorn to watch this thing go down. So anyway, I wanted to comment on that. Let's move over to the story coming out of uh, Homer and uh, and Halibut Cove on the Ketchumac Bay. Now, uh, we probably all saw this video on social media. It was going all over social media. This happened back in 2022, where the float plane is trying to get out of Halibut Cove and the... Uh, and the and the boat the the steel it's not a runabout but it's a little mini anyway it's a six pack is running back and forth driving directly in front of the plane and everything else well now we're starting to get the full story now we're starting to get the full story uh the owner of the boat is also the owner of the uh of the saltry there in Halibut Cove Marion Beck uh has pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge of gross negligent operation of a vessel during a sentencing hearing on Anchorage uh, yesterday. There was an additional charge of attempted destruction of aircraft that was dismissed as part of a plea agreement uh, that she was originally indicted in January uh, of last year on. Now, I'll be honest, this, <clears throat> this really seems like a slap on the wrist. I mean, to me. Now, I don't know, I've never met Mrs. Beck, I've never, you know, I know, I know her familial connections. Uh, I mean, this is Clem Tillian's, 
prodigy, right? I mean, this is this is well known. Uh, the, the the you know, there's some juice here, but the 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 total bill, the total butcher's bill on this whole deal by the time it's all said and done, with the plead the plea plead thing and everything else, was she got three months of house arrest, three months of home confinement for this. She was also forced to give up her mariner's license and spend three years on probation and pay a a $9,500, $10,000 fine. So now uh, let's just let me paint a picture for a minute. Michael Dukes climbs into a boat and just gets into a road rage incident on the water, which is how the judge described it. And he zooms back and forth in front of an aircraft that, uh, you know, multiple times. The video goes viral, everything else. How do you think I would be treated on something like that? How do you think I would be? Maybe I just can't afford the good lawyers. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I just didn't have the good lawyers. But it just seems like this is an awfully light situation. Um. Of course, as I mentioned, the whole issue is captured on video. Um, the boat can be seen making close passes in front of the de Havilland Beaver. Um, the pilot, Eric Lee, had previously said he had sev- uh, seven passengers on the plane for a sightseeing tour to Katmai. Um, now, here's an interesting point that I hadn't heard before. The entrance to Halibut Cove is extremely narrow, making it dangerous for two vessels to pass at once, according to a sentencing memorandum written by Michelle Nesbet, who is the uh, apparently the attorney for Marion Beck. After a number of close calls, an FAA regulation was put in place that barred seaplanes from entering the area during specified times set aside for ferries. Now, I don't know what those specified times were or anything else, but that's what it is. In the days leading up to the encounter, Eric Lee, the pilot, had, quote, failed multiple times to abide by the community regulation, Nesbitt wrote. I don't know what a community regulation is, and I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just saying this is what I'm reporting. When Beck saw Lee departing again, she was so upset she got into her boat and chased after the pilot to send him a message that he was violating the community regulations and that she and the community were upset about it. I mean, she just couldn't write a stridently worded email. She couldn't just, you know, get in his face after he got back and poke him in the chest. She had to drive her boat in front of a plane full of passengers. I just, you know, I don't know. I, this whole thing, I mean, it. I definitely agree based on what I saw uh, that the uh, that it was definitely a case of road rage on the water. What is it? But I felt like when I read what was going on, I thought, wow, that seems like a pretty light sentence. Um, for something like that. Lucky her, I guess. Lucky her. Good for you. What, whatever, whatever it takes, just be, you know, but that just seems like it's not what, you know, it's potentially it's who, it's who, you know, at that point or who you are or whatever. But again, I guess a resolution to that big thing back in the day. All right, we got to go. Reparations is going to be part of our topic up next. Again, maybe this is doomed part two. I don't know. It's just how dumb people are. We'll be back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Chris Story coming up in hour two.
If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. <clears throat> um, Lisa says, I found it hysterical yesterday's education meeting how legislators were upset about someone saying, let the games begin. <laughs> yeah, Bill Brock's like, it's Clemtillian's daughter. The, he says the judge was bought and paid for. I don't know if the judge was bought and paid for, but it just seems like if I was the one at the helm of that boat, um, you know, we would, we, I think we'd be having a very different conversation right now. I would probably be having a conversation from inside the jail with you. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, she put passengers in dangers and broke the law, you know? Yeah. There are no fairies that go. I mean, I, I got to question the verbiage on that. Like the FAA created a reg and then she keeps talking about how it's a community regulation, which makes it sound like it's not really an FAA reg. It was just like a rule that the community came up with and he was violating it. I mean, you know, look, if you can't share with others, if you can't share, play well with others and you think this is your own personal little pond and nobody else can do it then maybe that's part of the problem maybe that's just part of the problem chris says she's crazy and she should lose her boat license and jail time not house arrest i mean i thought that three months worth of house arrest was probably now losing your mariner's license that's it but she's 70 years old i mean i don't know how i don't know i just after watching that i was like wow that just seems man somebody's going to be in big trouble Oh, I'm sorry. House arrest and a $10,000 fine? Okay. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Uh, good morning, Lou. Thanks uh, for coming on board. Uh, appreciate you uh, being part of it here. Um, uh, <laughs> she thinks she owns the cove. Um, all right. Well, and I have I've heard plenty of stories. Look, I've spent enough time in Homer that I've heard plenty of stories about it. Um, I've been in, I actually, people keep telling me that I need to go over to the Psaltery and eat there and try it out one time. And I've just never gotten around to it. Uh, supposed to be quite an experience, but you know, I don't know. I'm afraid. Maybe, maybe now I'm afraid. Maybe planes will zoom in front of me when I go over there. If I'm in a boat, maybe turnabout's fair play. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> oh man. Duh. Oh, we're doomed. Doomed. All right. Oh, man, I got a phone line on hold. I didn't even know that. I didn't even see the line pop up. So let me get, uh, let me figure out who's on the line here. And then we will, uh, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll pull this out here. Okay. So first things first, I got to push that over there. Okay. Let me, uh, let me put them on there. Let me take them off hold and get their name and where they're calling from. And we'll start there. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Carlene and Jack. Okay, Carlene, why don't you hold the line, and I'll start with your phone call here in just a hot second. We're going to rejoin the radio here in just about, uh, oh, two minutes, and then we'll start off with your call, and uh, we'll, we'll go on from there. I'm sorry, I apologize for making you wait. I could have probably taken your call right before the end of the last segment, but I didn't, uh, 
I didn't say anything. All right. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, now Bill's saying don't go to the sultry. Way overpriced. I don't know. I hear people talk about it from time to time. Not all the time. But from time to time, I hear somebody talk about it, and they're like, uh, oh, yeah, a great experience. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll check it out. Of course, I've been going down to Homer for 10 years, and I've never been there. So I guess that was uh, part of the deal. Um, just read the letter to Kathy Tilton by the Senate Politburo. Is the legislature passing laws by sending letters back and forth? I can't find that in the statutes. Oh, you missed a whole thing this morning. We were talking about it. I mean, again, I was just looking at, I was just looking at the fact that the House that the that the Senate and some of the business as usual Republicans and stuff in there are just shocked, shocked. I tell you that anybody would try and pass a a, a bill out that hadn't gone through multiple legislative committees that hadn't had input from Alaskans and hadn't had stakeholders, unless, of course, you count their turducken bill with five hours to spare last year. I mean, other than that, they're shocked. <laughs> oh, it's so much posturing and posing on this. It's just hysterical. Like I said, you could smell the hypocrisy from here. Wherever you are, you could smell the hypocrisy on that from there. It's just, you know, that was a cute letter. I didn't, uh, I didn't get the letter. Maybe I did. I just, I have to go back and maybe I'll check my, to see, uh, I'll, 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 I'll figure, I'll take a look at it and see what, uh, what it comes out of here. Um, all right. Uh, we got to jump back into this. Uh, here we go. Carlene from Kodiak is on the line and we're going to talk about reparations because, yeah, I, I not something I would normally cover, but I read it and I was just like, wow. OK, so here we go. Getting back to it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty based, free thinking radio. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy. Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. All right. Welcome back to the program. Final segment for this hour. Chris Story coming up in hour two. Not to do PMA and life coaching. I'm going to ask him to give us a little bit of his take on the start of the session. Then we'll take a whole segment to talk about his tips for public speaking. Um, which uh, he and I were talking, and we've talked about it a couple times here uh, off the air. Uh, but I think now is the time with the legislature going into session and, you know, we need to testify in front of our legislators. We need to, you know, have some – he's going to give us some tips on on how to be better public speakers, which you may or may not interest you, but I, I think it's good stuff. It's always good. That's a good skill to have no matter what's going on. Uh, we got a phone call, though. Carlene is down in Kodiak, the lovely Carlene. Let's uh, – Start off there and see what uh, Miss Carlene has to say. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, excellent Michael. Several things um, about the school budget. I think they need a higher BSA because enrollment is down in Kodiak. It was down 11.5% this year. And then reading the Kodiak Daily Mirror, a significant um, number of people out at the Coast Guard base 
also homeschool their children. And then I'm looking forward to the public speaking part because I'm a poor public speaker. Um, I'm just not a good communicator. So I, right. mean, I really need this. Well, let me, let me, but it sounded like, can I, can I, before, before you, I'll give you a chance to finish. Don't, you don't have to rush. So, but let me, let me just hit that real quick. You say that they need a higher BSA because they have fewer students. The BSA is based on the numbers. No, that's just my thought. Right. Well, I mean, we've got declining enrollment and fewer students, and that means that they should have less cost per student and everything else. I mean, we've got this decline, and they've grown the size and scope of schools based on the number of students. Shouldn't they have to contract the, the their budgets if they have fewer students? I mean, shouldn't they receive less money if they have fewer students and more money if they get more students? Shouldn't that make sense? It should make sense, but I think they're just trying to get money every way they can, and um, the enrollment is really down big time yeah. over here. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, what was your other thought? My, okay. Last week, I called in about fiber optics being obsolete. Well, that sounds like a doomed clip. But I was married to a telephone man. He was a journeyman able splicer. So anytime there's anything about fiber optics or chemicals or electricity, I stop what I'm doing and I listen, or I go to meetings where those topics are, you know, contaminated land and things. But um, fiber optics is glass. And a few years ago, there was a story on Town Hall News that a ship cut the fiber optics cable. And then we also live in earthquake country. But, um, and then I'm reading a book on CEOs, managers of large corporations, mm -hmm. and they're talking about this topic. It's called Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. And the one woman was a CEO for Motorola, Mobile, mobile. She started out with Mobile, and then she went in to be a CEO. She was actually a trade person before she went into management, and then um, they went. She went into. Uh, they, they were making um, equipment for hospitals and clinics. Right, right. So I'm kind of. I just happened to feel like I should read that book. And I've been reading other books during the Christmas break. Okay. But, um, well, I, I will. I, I do have Elon Musk's book. I haven't read it yet. Oh, okay. Well, so, you have to give us a book report when you're done with it. it so. Yeah, no, I mean, look, in certain circumstances, sure, fiber is obsolete in areas, especially in remote areas and things like that, where it doesn't make sense to lay fiber. Fiber is still the backbone for most of the, uh, you know, for most of the Internet, and it does have some of the fastest connection speeds, and it's used as a, like I said, as a, ba as a, as a building block for the basic Internet. But it's not the answer to everything, and laying thousands of miles of fiber out to small areas and villages doesn't make sense. I would agree in that regard that it is obsolete um, and fiber fiber optic is not it's made of it's not made of glass it's made of uh, 
uh, it's made of uh, some kind of uh, polysynthetic whatever. But, I mean, it yes, it can be cut. It can be broken. We saw the shift. We saw it get cut up on the North Slope for months. Uh, so, I mean, there are limitations to all things, uh, whether it's satellite-driven Internet or wired Internet. But uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say about uh, Elon Musk's book when you're done with it uh, or the book on Elon Musk. I'd like to hear what you have to say. Thank you, Carlene, for calling in this morning. I appreciate it. Uh, from Kodiak, Miss Carlene sharing her thoughts with us this morning. All right. I hope I'm going to have enough time to get into this. Uh, I read a guy, uh, uh, one of the guys that I read quite frequently is Simon Black. Um, uh, he always has interesting things to say about the economy. Um, and he, what I love about it is that he always ties it back, not always, but usually ties it back in some way to some kind of historical precedent or anything like that. But he has a story that came out yesterday (laughs) and the headline reads the dumbest freaking guy of the week. Um, and he goes on to talk about you know, chances are there'll never be a formal inquiry about the insurrection of September 30th of 2023, uh, you know, that you probably didn't even hear about it, that this that, that a, a domestic terrorist blatantly committed an act of insurrection by attempting to subvert the democracy of the land. There's some tongue in cheek here going on. But he says his name is Jamal Brown, and he happens to be a congressman representing constituents in New York City. Now, of course, he's talking about Brown deliberately pulling the fire alarm before an important vote that was going on to fund the government. It was a it was an anti shutdown vote, and Jamal uh, Brown pulled the fire alarm. It's this is not you know the camera plainly shows it. He admitted to it and everything else, and he gets no. There's no you know. So he starts off with that, a little bit of that. But then he goes, uh, he's still finding plenty of ways to be a complete idiot now that the old thing was swept under the rug. His latest attempt to uh, subvert the world is a crusade to demand that descendants of former slaves receive at a minimum a whopping $14 trillion worth of reparations. Now, I don't normally cover national stuff, but this was just part of that whole dumb enough to cover kind of doomed stuff. Now, 14, keep in mind, $14 trillion is more than half the size of the entire U.S. economy. It's more than three times the annual federal tax revenue. I mean, it is an, it's an amount of money so large and mind boggling that you're like, but of course, the basic question is, where does this money come from? Where did the money come from? You know, where? So what is what is his answer to that? Well, where did the money come from when COVID was destroying us? And his answer? We spent it into existence. It, his, he, his answer? From this economic genius and mastermind, we simply have to create the money out of thin air. $14 trillion. And just give it to people according to who he wishes to give it to. I mean, this is this is doomed. This absolutely doomed. Now, and he doesn't think that there's going to be any consequences to this. He's like, there's he's oh, not, not, we could just do that with no problem. Although he does acknowledge that there may be some inflationary issues because. 
He said more than likely the actual reparation would have to be $16 trillion instead of $14 trillion in order to adjust for inflation by the time the whole thing's over. I wish I could get into this more, but I, I don't have time now. But $14 trillion. Oh my God, we just spend it into existence. Hour two dead ahead. I mean, come on, man. $14 trillion. Don't worry. We'll just, whoops, we'll just make it work. $14 trillion. Don't, don't you worry your pretty little head about it. It'll just be fine. Oh, my gosh. That's all I could say right now. Just, just, oh my gosh. Uh, okay, let me make sure that everything's all set up here. So everything's a little better. I'm assuming that uh, the connectivity and everything else, I just kept killing things until eventually it's all, it's all good. Um, okay, let me see what you guys have been... Um, Let me let me go back up here to see what you guys have been talking about. Uh, fantasy conversation house rules chairs. Your letter is cute, Senate President. I've never had anyone call a letter of mine cute before. I've never had a senator try to interfere in house business before. Perhaps you forgot how we played you the last year's budget votes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Exactly. Um, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just laughing at this. Bill's telling a story. So funny story. Guy comes into the shop wanting a new side-by-side -side ATV, proceeds to tell me he's from Halibut Cove, and some workers borrowed his, uh, his to go to a party and crashed it, so he needs a new one. I responded with, well, at least they didn't try and chase a float plane with it. I found out later I was talking with Marion Beck's husband. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Actually, just absolutely crazy. Uh, by the way, the state has still not posted the student numbers on its website. Uh, the numbers were due from the district's November 10th. Why have the numbers not been posted? Well, that's a good question. I really want to know what's going on here. Um, uh, all right. I'm going through here. Um, why should he get reparations? Why should he get reparations for anything? Uh, well, that's my question. I mean, even if you decided to do reparations, why should we have to pay for the actions of... Uh, Potentially, I mean, w whether our ancestors were involved or not, why should we have to pay? Rep why should we have to pay for the actions of people who've been dead for 200 years? I mean, why? 
right? I mean, why? Why should we have to pay for the actions of people who've been dead for 200, 250 years? I don't understand. Um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let me, let me, let me, let me, excuse me while I whip this out. Here we go. We'll go over here and, uh, make a little, make a little noise here. Yeah. Good morning, Michael. Hello, my friend. How are you this bright and shiny morning? So this is what it's like to talk to you on a Wednesday. I feel like Carrie. I know. Dukes. It's it's really, it's like one of those things, right? You just, this is how you get it done. Uh, so now that you've seen the, now you've seen the justice handed down, do you uh, feel like you want to go take your boat out on a little jaunt in the cove and uh, and get away with it? Or what do you well, interesting. I, uh, yeah, uh, my friend is the, the pilot, the owner and pilot of that boat or the plane. And, um, yeah, I'm hoping to have him on as a guest and talk about what it was like to be in the cockpit that day and have those people's lives in your hands and, um, have him as a guest to talk about what his perspective was. Yeah, no, I think that would be an interesting, that would be an interesting interview. And we keep hearing about this FAA regulation. And then they say at one point it's an FAA regulation. And then several other times it says that it's a community regulation. So is it a federal regulation or is it just a community, you know, anyway, I, uh, I read that this morning and I just thought, Ooh, baby. I mean, Okay, three months home, uh, home, home uh, entrapment. I guess. I mean, maybe I should do something. I'd like to have to stay home for three months. That would be fun. I mean, I would actually. Well, you could continue to broadcast. That I would know. be good for us. I get a lot of work done. I mean, that'd be awesome. So, yeah. um, so I don't know if you were listening earlier on. You probably weren't because you're a very busy man. Um, but uh, I wanted to kind of get your. I wanted to. Can we do this in two segments? Do you do you have to go and do it in one segment? Because. I'd love to do it in two segments. I'd love to have your take on the legislature's first few first few days here, the first week of the legislature, your thoughts on some of the things that are going on. And then we can move into public speaking because I think it's important that people learn public speaking based on the fact that we're going to have to be testifying in front of our legislators and our assemblies and our city councils uh, more than ever this year. Like library boards library boards yeah sure i mean your parole parole boards i mean whatever it is that we have to i mean i believe that this is important stuff so are you willing to do that i know i'm 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 imposing oh, sure I'm, yeah i'm imposing yeah, on yeah, you, but, no, of yeah. course okay all right well i'm gonna put you lose it i'm gonna put you back on hold so don't go anywhere chris story is our guest uh we're gonna continue our two uh kicking things off uh we're ready to go <laughs> the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, free thinking radio. Like and share. 60 something people in here. Only 20 of you have liked it or thumbed up it. You can hate it too. You know, you can be angry. You can hate the show. Whatever it is, whatever interaction you feel like doing, you know, half of you haven't done your job. That's all I'm saying. All right, we got to go. Good to be back. Right after this, here we go. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. 
Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to it. Hour two of the big radio show. It's hump day, Wednesday. Normally, Mike Shower joins us today to talk about things, but he was way late and we have rescheduled him for tomorrow. Uh, so luckily, uh, my friend Chris Story, who normally comes on every Tuesday in the second hour to give us a little bit of a positivity boost, a little bit of life coaching, a little bit of PMA. He and I have been talking on and off about some of the things that he's been teaching and working on lately. And one of the things is how to help people uh, with public speaking. Public speaking is an important it's an important uh, skill, um, and some are better than others, obviously, uh, at it. But it's an important life skill, uh, especially in what we do here, like on the show, where we're talking with, you know, you got to talk to your politicians, your legislators, your your library boards, your city councils, and you've got to get up there and have, uh, you know, do it, give a speech, give a presentation, uh, have a short, concise you know, thought, you got to have it. There, there are some ways, there are some tips and tricks, and Chris is going to share those with us. But before we get into that, I thought I would take this moment because we hardly ever do this with Chris. Chris is usually just, you know, the positivity guy where he comes in and he just, you know, light and life and, you know, live, love, laugh, toaster bath kind of thing. And so, uh, but uh, today I thought I would ask him to give us his thoughts as he's watching the uh, the freak show that is this legislative session so far. I mean, we're a week into it. Today is like the seventh day. And so I thought we would get his take on everything that's going on in the legislature and what he thinks is going to happen uh, before we get into it. And then next segment, we'll talk about all of his tips on how to become a better public speaker. How about that? We'll, we'll start there. So Chris Story joins us. Good morning, Mr. Story, sir. This has got to be weird for you. I mean, Wednesday and everything. This has got to be a weird thing. Yeah, it, it is. But I think it's good to know that um, you and I can still communicate on a day besides Tuesday. I, mean, I think it's important. I, I think right, it's good for right. the kids to see this. I mean, the earth could spin off its axis, but... Possibly. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things. And your dog is cracking me up, dude. Seriously, that dog. You may need to go have him get his, he may need to get his sinuses rotor-rooted or something. That dog snores like a freight train. Um, all right. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about the session so far. Now, I know you don't normally deal with politics on your show. I mean, sometimes you get into it a little bit, but for the most part, you know, it's not your, you and I have talked about this, I think on air and off air that, you know, you're not, mm -hmm. it's not your jam to talk about that 24 hours a day where that's what I talk about most times. Um, but, uh, that you have thoughts. Even in your sleep, I hear. I know exactly. Um, you know, but you have, you have thoughts on this and you do have, you know, you have thoughts and feelings. It's amazing. Um, but you know, 
so give us give us your take on what you're seeing thus far. I mean, what happened at the end of the last session and what's going on right now? Give us Chris Story's thoughts on everything that's going on uh, uh, in this in this debacle that you're watching unfold in front of us. Well, I think it's important, especially in Alaska, maybe more so than other states, because our legislature is somewhat sequestered like a grand jury uh, in, in the penthouse of the Captain Cook. It's like, okay, they're going to be sequestered for a number of months. I've made the journey and the trek down there on behalf of the Alaska Association of Realtors um, a number of times to go and speak with our legislature and uh, the legislators that represent our district. And so we as a as a body, as an organization, make a point to travel down to Juneau. We have a, uh, a lobbyist that, we, that we've that we employed and, and work with, but it's important for those people to see us because, as I say, as they're sequestered, it's, a, it's really easy to create this othering. We saw uh, the mother load of othering during the pandemic. Those who, uh, you know, othered people who had it, who wouldn't get the vaccine, who wouldn't accept the, the quote science, who wouldn't wear the mask, who insisted on wearing the mask, all that. We saw that othering and, and almost creating a, another type of, another species or a whole subgroup of people. And that was really characteristic of some sort of a, as um, uh, Brett Weinstein paraphrased, and so did Dr. Malone, this, this mass psychosis. Okay, so if we take that and apply it to what we see going on in Juneau, it's so easy to forget they're our neighbors, they're the people that their kids go to school with our kids or did, or the grandkids go to school with our kids or our grandkids. They shop at the same grocery store when they're back home. They are people with, with feelings. I know, for example, Sarah Vance, I know her uh, probably better than anybody else uh, in the legislature right now. And I asked her one day, I saw a bumper sticker. It said, kick Vance in the pants, support Kelly Cooper. And Kelly had been running against her on a, on a previous election. And I said, I just sent her that picture and I said, you know, not to rub salt in it, but I was like, how do you feel about that? I mean, what do you what do you think about something like that? And she said, it hurts. She goes, but really, I, that's fine. She goes, that's actually kind of funny, um, but it hurts my kids. Those kinds of things, actually, we've had to do a lot with our kids. And I'll let Sarah tell her own story in that respect. But it's it's indicative of they're our neighbors. They're our friends. Maybe you didn't vote for them. You didn't support them. But because they're so far away and so difficult to get to, it's almost as though, again, go back to that idea of a grand jury sequestered in the top of the Captain Cook, and it's hard to access them. You don't have the, the right key to get to that elevator, or you got to spend a fortune on it. And so it's really easy to for me to sit in judgment. Um, and I guess it'd be just kind of, that's my initial thought, Michael. It's like, it's a, it, yeah, call it a freak show, call it whatever. Those are our neighbors that are going to come home. Right. And talk with us in the post office. Right. Well, look, I mean, it, tribalism is real. I mean, we are being divided mm -hmm. into different tribes, you know, all over the place. And you're right. You know, we find people who don't believe that, you know, the same way that we believe and all of a sudden they're the other, they're the, they're the out, the outsider, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. And I, and I, I've quite honestly, I, again, I find that offensive. Somebody can disagree with me and I don't believe that they're part of some other species or culture, but there are more, more and more people out there who are, you know, who are shouting that to the rooftops. If you don't believe like I believe, then you are, you know, you're all bad. If we can't agree on this one thing, then everything else is bad. And and I, I, I agree. I think that that it does not behoove us as, 
well, as Americans or as human beings, we shouldn't we shouldn't do that. But we're watching some of the behavior that's going on in the legislature. And again, I was talking earlier about how some of the powers that be and the and the uh, Senate majority and stuff were just outraged out and shocked. I tell you that that the House would push this bill through without input from Alaskans and without multiple legislative committees and without following the process and everything else. And that you look back at what happened at the end of the last session and you go, wait, you five hours before the end of the session, you dropped, you know, you stuffed it all together and no input. No. I mean, it's it. You know, it's like rank hypocrisy. And I think that's what people get frustrated with is that they watch this stuff go on. They watch this dance of back and forth and give and take and, you know, sling, you know, slings and innuendos and everything else. And then they see this. And even somebody who may not understand the full process is usually savvy enough to understand that there is so much blatant hypocrisy going on that they just I mean, that's when the people just throw their hands up in the air, and walk away and say, I am not dealing with this BS anymore. I'm just not going to deal with it. And yeah, I think that's the damaging part of this. And and it is interesting too that that we've I think one good conversation that ought to be had this legislative session the next and and the next and on infinitum is what kind of state do we want I think I mentioned this yesterday if you'd imagine if we're going to model another state in the union do you model California do you model high regulation high tax uh, multiple fees, multiple licenses and permits. I was listening to somebody talk the other day about building a home and they said, well, well, it's actually a client of mine for, and he was saying, he lives in California and he was saying, well, to build here, it, it would take us almost a year to go through the red tape before we dig a hole in the ground. And I just thought to myself, that's interesting. Why would we want to model that? And you look at Anchorage, they're introducing their own permitting process and uh, ordinance for short-term rental regulations and fees and permits. Homer's doing the same, or at least looking at it. And as a state and as a people, this last frontier, wouldn't it behoove us to say, what would Ron DeSantis do? What would Governor Ron DeSantis do? Whether right. you like his his presidential run or not, whether you like his his politics or his stance on one position or another, you've got to admit, and the facts are what they are, Florida's prospered under his leadership and under his ability to bring his legislative bodies together. Right. So I, I think with Governor Dunleavy, I, I feel a little bit like he's a prisoner of war and he's, he's MIA and he's not standing tall for Alaska and profligate spending is just the norm here and will continue to be until you and I demand something different. We just have to do something different and demand all of our legislature, be they uh, in Juneau, or if you're able to move them back here as part of the charter changes, get them back to Anchorage or the Valley or somewhere on the road system, we still have to demand accountability. We do not want to spend more than we earn. Well, two things. First and foremost, you know, getting it back to the, you know, getting it back on the road system. I mean, you said, you know, you've gone to Juneau. Have you ever gone to Juneau just yep. as a private citizen? Or is it always as, no. as part of some group, right? I mean, you, the you know, the board of realtors, you probably went down there as a representative. You didn't necessarily have to front that out of your pocket. Or, I mean, that's the problem. Who's showing up in Juno? People who are part of organizations and groups that either have a lot of money or they have a vested interest in what's going on or whatever else. You very rarely hear. In fact, Tammy Wilson, I talked to her. Uh, you know, I know this is a few years ago when she'd been in the legislature for 10 or 12 years. And I said, how many times in the last 10 or 12 years have you actually had a private citizen, not part of some organization, group, NGO, 
parent-teacher organization, union, lobby, or you just, just a private Joe Blow citizen, how many times in the last 10 or 12 years has somebody shown up in your office to talk about a bill? And she said, I can count it on one hand in 10 or 12 years. And I said, well, how often do the other part, you know, if you, that's a private, what about the other ones? She goes, multiple times a day. So is it any surprise? And, and coming back to, you know, why would we model it after any other state? I mean, you're look, Chris, you're you're an Alaskan, right? You're 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 born and raised. You and me, right? We're we're multiple gener I don't know how many generations in your family, but I'm a third generation Alaskan. My kids are fourth, right? So my folks have been around here, my people have been around here for a while. And I remember back in the day, you may remember it as well, there used to be this old saying, and in fact it used to be a bumper sticker. We don't give a damn how they do it outside. Right. That used to be a thing like we don't care how they do it outside. We're going to do it the way we're, we were rugged individualists. Like you said, why would we try and remodel our, our state after these places, especially why would you choose a failing model uh, if you were going to do it? And, and quite honestly, why would you care how they do it outside? We need to do it the way we need to do it. And your short term rental thing. I mean, they're taking that up in the legislature now. I mean, this is some this is just some crazy controlling stuff. What's interesting, the, the Homer uh, short-term rental ordinance was brought to um, existence, and it says in the opening line of the actual ordinance itself, because the city council feels and has concerns, and the public share those concerns about the impact of short-term rentals on, on housing and availability of housing for seasonal uh, workers. And it's interesting that the feelings, so it's just, it's sort of like a, a tell at the poker table. I don't know much about poker. I, well, I do know that I'm not good at it, and which is odd because I, I've read so much about human behavior and the psychology that you think I would have applied it somewhat to the poker table, but I don't. I'm an emotional player. I love to go all in on the worst hand. People know that, so they take all my money. But the point is that, you know, it's like, that's a great tell. Like, wait a minute. Oh, this is an emotional reaction. To a, and so I deem that a problem, a solution to search of a problem they will not solve. And I think that emotion is sort of a, you're seeing it around the state. And to come back to your point about, and actually around the country, people are sort of knee-jerk reacting to this. And, and hey, everybody has the right to zone, to, to allow certain things in certain zones and neighborhoods and, and so on. I'm not against zoning. Police powers specifically have been somewhat removed from our right of private property ownership. Okay, that happens. You can't you can't run a liquor store in the middle of a suburban neighborhood or an urban neighborhood, either one. So okay, I get it. We're gonna have some regulation or what, you know, say a Milton Friedman would say, a, you know, a moderately free market. Okay, I get that. But going back to why would we model Florida, I think we almost need to be able to show a roadmap. We've been underwater for so long. We've been spending down the, the constitutional reserve for so long. We've been so inundated with boom and bust in the oil world, I think we need a reality check and we need a map and say, look, here's where we're going to go. We don't have a backbone or a, a really strong leader. And that sounds insulting. I don't mean to, but we don't have a strong leader in our governor. Neither did we in Walker. Neither did we in, in Sean Parnell, as nice as a guy as he was. You know, it, it's like, okay, we need right. a roadmap. We, the people need a roadmap that we can point to and say, <clears throat> this, this is our waypoint. Right. They can do it we can do it it's been done chris florida kept out an income tax brad yeah chris
Chris Story is our guest, the man from Homer. We're going to continue in just a moment. We're going to be talking about public speaking. We'll return right after this. Don't go anywhere. Listen to by more staffers in Juno than any other show because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Chris Story is our guest <laughs> as we continue on uh, here this morning. Uh, yeah, I mean, this <clears throat> this idea that somehow we've just got to follow what's going on. You know, and, and this, the zoning... The control, you know, here's here's the thing. Going back to your ordinance there in Homer, where they're saying the city council feels like there's going to be a problem. You know, there's going to be a problem with temporary housing, and the answer is is to force local property owners to provide that instead of incentivizing somebody to build something else. Instead of incentivizing right. somebody to build some housing or do something like that, the idea is to punish the homeowners that currently want to do something different with their property. And, you know, and then it's to use government as a as a bludgeon against people. You know, it's industries like the 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 hospitality industry or whatever that are like, oh, <clears throat> these, you know, these Airbnbs, they're cutting into our business. So we need to use the gov the bludgeon of government to come down on it. You know, it's like the taxi cab drivers. Oh, Lyft is hurting us. And so we need to use the bludgeon of government to come in. I mean, that's the thing. You, government is just stifling innovation at every turn. Um, and, and utilizing these things with, with like that and zoning, uh, you, I mean, you saw the story in Ohio, right? Bryan, Ohio, where the, the church was helping homeless people and allowing them to sleep there sometimes and feeding them. And the city came in and arrested the pastor because he refused to comply because he was in a commercial zone and he was using, he was letting people sleep. He was letting homeless people sleep there and stuff. I mean, this is a town of 8,500 people. And they're going to come in there and tell him he can't help the whole. I mean, I it's it's mind boggling how far we've allowed government to to just seep into every aspect of our lives. Some good, some really good, reasonable, libertarian minded people come up with the actual facts to disprove this. The claims and or quote concerns that the Elmer City Council had relative to short term rentals and, and the city's conceded. Well, all right, you're right. OK. There is no evidence of that. There appears to be no corollary between uh, STRs and, and availability of housing or affordability. All right, well, we'll remove that. It was like, well, then remove the entire ordinance. Hit subpoena speed on the shredder and be done with it. And let's move on with life. And if you want to have a conversation about zoning, do so. But that's not doesn't require a whole new department or element of governmental involvement and regulation. Wait a minute. I have questions. The fact that you just used hit subpoena speed on the shredder makes me question some things about Chris story <laughs> <laughs> that you even have a subpoena speed on your shredder. Uh, makes yeah, me, uh, you know, come on, like you don't please. 
all right. Well, <clears throat> I got to tell you, this whole idea that somehow and now the legislature's gotten into the act, right? Now they're going to try and 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 control short-term rentals and do all this other kind of stuff. I mean, that's the thing. Technology is moving so fast that um, the government just can't keep up. And I think that's a good thing. I think to, to make government scramble is a great thing. But to think that somehow these people that are, you know, 1,500 miles away in Juneau are going to be able to help you decide whether or not you should be able to rent your your empty apartment or your empty house or one room of your house or whatever for a short period of time, it, it's just insulting. I just want to give people the finger like all the time over stuff like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's a localized, that's a local conversation. That's a local, that's like sort of the plastic bag ban, right. um, ought to be had at a local, local level. If it, if it must be had, have that conversation at the local level. Well, and even at the local level, I mean, I don't even want the local community to have, it's my property. I pay property taxes. I did all the things. I jumped through all the hoops. I did everything that needed to be done. And now you're telling it can't do something with my own property. Go, go. But but on a local level, we already do that. We already do that at a local level. For example, you live in a rural area. You're forbade by the community with which you live in to open a liquor store in your house. You can't do it. Uh, You can't even have a liquor store without a liquor license. I'm just saying it's a local conversation. Right, right. Well, I think I should be able to open a liquor store in my house, quite honestly, if I wanted to. But that's just me. Some of those cabinets, it looks like you have. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. All right. uh, We're going to get back into it. Here we go. Chris Story, the man from Homer, public speaking. It's what we're talking about. Let's let's continue ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. Like and share. Like and subscribe. Ring the bell. Do all the stuff. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. What? There's a pinch of... That's just hurtful, man. That's just hurtful. Chris thinks I have more than a pinch of intellect. Um. Anyway, um, right, Chris? Uh, let's get to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is this thing on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sorry. Is this thing, I, was, I was thinking it to myself. He was thinking really loudly on that. Uh, Chris Story joins us, the man from Homer. I love HomerAlaska.com. Potter, realtor, philosopher, uh, radio host. He does it all. Uh, and uh, today, normally he's on to talk with us about, uh, you know, life coaching and positivity and everything else. But today he's going to come on and talk with us now that we've we've sullied his soul with a little bit of politics in the last segment. We're going to talk about public speaking. Uh, public speaking is an important skill. Now, I'm not saying that you all have to be statesmen and, uh, you know, anything else, but being able to convey your ideas in a public setting in a concise, well-reasoned and uh, straightforward manner is an important skill for anybody to have. Um, And I know some people find public speaking very, very difficult. Um, I, I I'm just one of those people that's never had that problem, so it's not a big deal for me. But I have worked on things like concising ideas, making sure I have an outline and that it's, again, it's straightforward and it makes sense that I'm just not rambling, uh, which you could see I struggle with that on this show. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where even people who are not afraid to talk to people may need some help 
in laying ideas out and everything else. And Chris has offered to come on board today to talk to us about public speaking and to give us the pointers and get us, because we need to, especially in this day and age, we need to speak to our politicians. We need to speak to our legislators and our city councils and our library boards. We even need to speak to our fellow citizens in ways to encourage them to get involved. So, Chris, I turn the floor over to you, my friend. Uh, give it to us. Public Speaking 101, take it away, Professor Story. Well, first off, I'd say this. I am a student of public speaking, um, a student, and so I'll just share what I have learned and kind of what I've studied. And I call this, when I do this presentation, I call it, for those about to talk, we salute you. A little callback to the, you <laughs> yeah, know, our, our hair I band, our 80s. I got it. Yeah, I got it. Okay. You understand? Um, but I think first and foremost, the thing that helped me the most, like you, uh, I'm not afraid of, of, of speaking. In fact, when I was a little kid, probably six to you know 15, I would stand up. I literally would do stump speeches. At, we, we would all go camping, our, our family and some family friends at a big, big camp would um, come together during King Salmon season down at the Anchor River. My, once my parents would wander off down to a fishing hole on their own, I would get up on a stump and gather everybody's attention and put on a little show, put on a little presentation. So I've never been afraid of it either, like you. However, I'm also a student of how to get better, how to be more effective. And I think that's the key word. It isn't necessarily performative, how to increase your your soliloquy. It's about being effective. Can you make your point and can you do it in a way that is going to move somebody? That's the, the part of motivation is can you move whom you're speaking to? So as we salute you, what I mean to say is the audience wants you to do well. We are for you. And if once you understand that, that the audience there's going to be a couple of critical people out there, of course, there always is. But by and large, a lion's share of the audience you're speaking to wants you to be good. They want you to win. They want you to, they're rooting for you. We are rooting for you. And once you accept that, you can kind of check some of the emotions that might come up and, and grab you by the throat as you get up to take the lectern or to do a, just a, a speech in front of even 10 people sometimes can be daunting for us if we don't get our emotions under control. So before you talk, seek first to understand, do you understand the opposite side of what you are trying to move us towards very well? Do you, are you sure you understand it? Stephen Covey was right when he said, one of the seven habits of highly effective people is to seek first to understand, then be understood. So before you take to the microphone, do your best, dead level best to understand the other side diagnose before you prescribe and then plan and practice you mentioned an outline great have a have an outline maybe two three pages then distill it down to a few bullet points maybe eight or nine bullet points to keep you in and on track as you go through because sometimes when you stand up your brain sits down so you've got to have maybe just a small bullet point don't read to us give us some bullet points and then practice Practice is huge. Toastmasters, if you join Toastmasters, 99% of the benefit is practice. One is listening and being in that audience and recognizing that I'm speaking the truth when I say you're for the person speaking, you want them to do well. You rec get to recognize that as an audience member, but also practice, just doing it again and again. Never pass up an opportunity if you're at a dinner party or something, maybe stand up 
say a few words. That's great practice. Right. Um, I've got a right. few tips to get into, but that's a lot all at once. But I think, Michael, if you would agree, just knowing the audience is rooting for you, then I, I doesn't that make you just sure. feel oh, well, yeah, calm? Because, I mean, how many times have you sat in an audience and somebody is up there on stage and, <clears throat> you know, or, or who's going to testify or something and, and, and you're cringing? Because they're struggling mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, it's, it's so uncomfortable. And it's not like you dislike them. It's just that you mm -hmm. feel bad for them. You, you want them to do better. You want them to get that point out. You want them to say their piece in a way that's comfortable for everybody, you know. And so I agree with you. I think that the most of the audience, uh, maybe in political settings, it's a little different. But most times speaking, most of the audience wants you to be successful. They want you to make a valid point, whether they agree with it or not. And they want you to be able to, you know, so it's not uncomfortable for them. I would agree with that. And I think that's a great way to look at it, that most of the people in the audience want you to succeed, want you to get your point across. And I think the problem <clears throat> you're talking about in practicing most people, the problem is they are embarrassed for themselves. I mean, if a lot of times, if you're practicing a speech um, or, you know, you're going to go testify or do something else, most people don't want to practice because they are embarrassed to be by themselves to say these things. And people just need to get over that. That, that That's the only practice makes perfect. Um, but I mean, how many people have said, you know, I couldn't sit in front of the mirror and deliver this speech because it makes me uncomfortable? Why? How, I mean, are you going to be any less uncomfortable in a room full of people? That practice is important. Concise your ideas down. Put them on, put them on three by five cards if you need to. If you have to read it, read it. But like you said, it should be just down to a few bullet points, and you are able to just riff off those bullet points and go from one one spot to the next. That should be what you need to do. I agree. And when we talk about political talk, for example, so much of our political talk is debate driven remove that from your mind unless you're entering a debate remove the idea of debate from your mind remember you've already you've already researched the other side of what you're going to speak on you already understand to the best of your ability what that other side is so if you're testifying for something part of it's necessarily going to be maybe against something else but you're not in a debate unless you specifically put yourself in the debate seat in which case that's a different kind of practice that's a different kind of preparation and so forth. And if you really want to watch the master, Douglas Murray is probably today's greatest living debater. Well, Charlie Kirk is right up there, but I would say Douglas Murray, uh, uh, he destroyed Malcolm Gladwell, whom I've admired. I've got every one of Malcolm Gladwell's books. I think he's an interesting thinker. I like the way he looks at things through a different kind of prism. And he decided for some reason he was going to take on Matt Taibbi and Douglas Murray. And if you want to watch a masterful debate, that's a good one to watch. But we're not talking about debate here. We're talking about the idea of just speaking to a group of one, two, ten, or a thousand. So my tips on that would be those about to talk, focus on your breath, breathing deep, diaphragmatically. Don't talk off the top of your lungs. You're going to sound breathless and rushed and hurried and nervous. Your, your full resonance comes from breathing from your belly, not, not the top of your lungs. Slow down. I call this pause for the cause. Just slow down. A pause is far better than um, Obama, for some reason, was considered a master or orator. I did not think so. There were ums and uh, I didn't. I did not appreciate his 
I understand his passion, but I didn't understand why he was so looked upon as a great speaker. Um, I don't think I've ever heard Ronald Reagan say, um, in between. No. So slow down, pause for the cause, no fillers, try to practice that out of your, your repertoire. And then eye of the tiger, focus on eye contact. Even if it's a room of one, two, ten, or a thousand, making eye contact is making connection. Literally right. the window to the soul, the window to understanding is through eye contact. I was in a, a speaking course down in San Diego and the instructor was, I mean, it, it, it was like amazing to sit there with a pro making this kind of eye contact. Even if he wasn't making eye contact with you, you could feel it that he was making eye contact with somebody for actually an uncomfortable amount of time. That's something good to practice. Eye of the tiger. And then finally, storytelling is compelling. Wrap your points into a story uh, narrative whenever possible, um, preferably true for your real life or experience. <laughs> it's easier for us to understand, and it's easier to wrap your points inside of something that you can relate and remember. And so just well, remember, uh, we're rooting for you. Well, easy. can I can I throw out an, an additional uh, caveat to that? I would say that if no. you're going, okay, if you're going to, <laughs> if you're going to, uh, you know, to, to lay out some kind of facts or figures or something like that, first of all, those should be in your bullet points. So you make sure that you get them right. And you should mention the source. I mean, that's just me personally, you know, according to the study from Harvard in 2022, this is what, you know, X says this, you know, there should be, it shouldn't just be this, oh, I've heard that, you know, there's only 12% of whatever. I mean, that has a lot less impact than actually, you know, it takes, takes a quick reference to be able to do something like that. And like you said, don't rush through it. Take your time. It should be timed out. If you're on a, if you're on a clock, then you should have already practiced this uh, and at least run through it. And know what you need to drop. If you need to drop something, if you need to avoid, you know, if you need to kill something because you're out of time, just know where to go. It takes some planning. It does take a little bit of planning and preparation on that. Yeah, and to your point about citing your your reference, having citations built into your presentation. Again, short and sweet on those. Uh, however, that's all part of seeking first to understand. Do you really understand the reference material with which you're drawing your conclusions? If you do, then you can concisely cite where you got the study from the Mayo Clinic. According to the Mayo Clinic, now, I prefer in just speaking to make the point and then add the citation because I don't want to bury the lead. I don't want people thinking relative to a Harvard study. Are you kidding me? Didn't Harvard, doesn't Harvard have an endowment of a billion dollars? Aren't they doing, aren't they woke at Harvard? I don't care. No, make your point and then add your citation, even if it's towards the end of your presentation. But I agree with you that that is important and they have a mastery over what you want to say. What is your point? Before you begin, well, I can't remember who said it, but I love the quote. Before you open your mouth, make sure what you're about to say will improve upon the silence. Otherwise, don't. Um, but we all, like you mentioned, to each other, to our legislature, to our city council, to our zoning boards, to um, neighbors, whatever it is, we need to have the ability to converse effectively with each other. I just yesterday on my show <clears throat> admitted and confessed my sins relative to talking to a politician. I was using text messaging. He took offense to something I said, and I violated my own or, you know, the, some policy that I follow, the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I was like, oh, man. I, 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 so I apologized to him. He has yet to accept the apology. That's fine. I, uh, fine. No problem. But remember, text messaging is a horrible way to communicate. 
It's not. It can be quick and fast, but it's not the best way to convey a point. Yeah. Especially if you're using a little humor. Followed closely by social media. Uh, but trust me, the written word is very hard to convey subtleties in that kind of stuff. I mean, that is definitely mm-hmm. uh, what it is. Uh, Chris Story uh, is our guest. We're talking about uh, public speaking. Chris, do you have more? Uh, should I keep you over for one more? Or, what's, it's, or should you sum, uh, sum up here? What what you guide me? I think, I think that's it. I say we, we've probably nailed the head on this and um, you'd be, love to hear what other people think. This would be a great opportunity in the next segment for you to practice public discourse and not just, you know, be very concise. And it's a good opportunity to practice. And remember, we in the radio audience are rooting for you to do well and do good. Speak easy, make a lasting impression. And remember to, to seek first to understand, then go and be understood. Absolutely. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. That's uh, that's good stuff. We should do this more often. Something a little bit out of the ordinary for what we normally do. I I like this. Maybe next time we'll talk about, I don't know, something else, real estate or more politics, whatever it is. Thank you, my friend, for coming on board and being part of it. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Chris Story, hold the line for just a second. Folks, we are out of time for this segment. we got more coming up. Phone lines are open, 907-433-3150. If you want to practice your public speaking skills on me, now's the time to do it. <clears throat> I promise to grade you on a curve. That's all I'm saying. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, final thoughts. Chris Story, just in case I wanted to give you one final bite right there at the apple, just in case. Uh, Whatever. There you go. Yeah, no, I appreciate the venue. Thank you. It, this is something that I feel pretty passionate about. I did join Toastmasters about 12 or 14 years ago, and it, it, it was fine. There's only ended up being four of us. So we sit around a table and just chat. But it was interesting to see the kind of people that wanted to get mastery over public speaking. And one woman had been involved for like 25 or 30 years, and you'd never look at her and go, now there's a master orator. Wow. No, but she was still practicing <laughs> and loved the concept. So I think it's important. And like I said, um, parents go before the library and try to make the case that we're not talking about banning books. We're talking about moving this inappropriate book for children to a higher shelf within the library somewhere else. So probably dad want to check it out and teach them about this kind of stuff. It's still available. How do you make that argument eloquently and not get lost in the fodder of, you know, book banner? You just want to burn all the books. And and that's an emotionally charged thing. So the more you know going into the conversation, the better off you'll do. And just leave emotions at the door. And it doesn't mean that you're, you, you know, you're flatlining. It's just don't be emotional. You can use emotions, but harness them and use them to your advantage versus becoming victimized by your own emotion and getting choked up and, and say something you regret or don't say something because you're, you're too angry and cortisol's coursing through your brain and you've forgotten what you intended to say. Do you remember when Sarah Palin was mocked for having a few bullet points written on her hand? Yeah, I do remember that. I do. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. It's like, well, come on. Oh, you've never spoken? I mean, yeah, it was clumsy and hand-handed. I'd much rather have her look down on a little card or something, but whatever. 
you know, it's just a couple of bullet points. Don't forget this because when you're in a you're in a stressful situation, again, cortisol coursing through your mind and or testosterone, whatever it is, or estrogen, ladies and or men, uh, alpha, beta man, I should say. Um, it is still, it's just one of those things that just having a little reference point here and there can make all the difference. But even emotions at the door, that's a good thing, good rule of thumb. Well, you have to bring some passion to it. You have to bring some emphasis and passion, but yeah, it should not be emotional. Yeah, it, it should be guided passion, exactly. And that's where the pause for the cause yeah. comes in and everything else. It's, it's you know, it is an art. The breath work, I for, huh? it is. I forgot to mention the breath work that I use. I got from Brian Tracy's program, and he, he it's a six by. So you, you breathe in from your belly to the count of six, hold to the count of six, exhale to the count of six. So just remember six by, and if you get, even if you get into a debate with somebody while they're talking, go ahead and just do that. Get a full deep breath, not obviously and obnoxiously, but just very quietly breathe in deep to the count of six, hold to six, exhale to the count of six. You'll find your mind calms, blood is coursing to your brain, you'll be better off. Yeah. And don't just speak to fill the silence. You know what I mean? I, I loved mm -hmm. it. When I was in high school, I did forensics and debate when I was in high school. Um, and the debate part wasn't as uh, surprisingly uh, for what I do today. The debate part was not as interesting to me as the speech part, the forensics, the, you know, the public speaking mm -hmm. and things like that. It just wasn't as I did extemporaneous speaking and comedic speaking and, you know, all these different kinds of things. But the debate part was always interesting because you did it. You have to understand the other people's positions. Sometimes you were assigned positions that you didn't believe in and you had to justify them. Uh, it definitely makes it makes you think. I think everybody should have to take debate, quite honestly, just because it makes you putting you in a position where you're trying to uh, you're trying to proselytize for something that you don't believe in um, is uh, uh, it's interesting. It definitely makes your brain go, Kaka, Kaka, what? Uh, but it, it does put you in the other people's shoes and it makes it better in the long run yeah. for you, I think. And it's pra forcing practice empathy. And yeah. Empathy is a massive part of negotiating public speaking and debating for sure can you even imagine what that person don't don't feel it with them as sympathy can you imagine and can you see what they could be feeling and from their perspective and once you do that seek first to understand now you can be better understood by them yeah absolutely absolutely all right sir well okay thank you i appreciate you coming on board that was a it's a fun segment i i appreciate something a little different i appreciate uh, that I'm going to be listening. I hope I hope some people take up the challenge and uh, call in and publicly speak. Maybe somebody in the chat room will do that. Maybe somebody will uh, will come on board yes, and do sir. that. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate take you coming easy. on board. Chris Story, the man from Homer, uh, joining us uh, here uh, on the program. Let me turn that off. There we go. Um, coming on board and sharing with us. It's good stuff. It's interesting. It's interesting. I always... Yeah, I always love that. I always love forensics and debate. I remember that. Uh, I remember that well. That was always a fun. That was always a fun time in school when we were doing that stuff. Um, okay, well, let's bring the phone lines back open, and we'll see what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Come on down, be part of it. Uh, advocate. If you would like to, uh, you know, talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about, now's the time to get it done. Uh, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. Let's get to it. Uh, here we go right now.
right, right, right now. Okay, um, one final segment here this morning of the big radio show. Tomorrow on the program, state represent, state uh, senator rather, Mike Shower, going to be joining us uh, talking about the session. Ooh, that should be fun. We're a week in now. What does he see happening? What's going on? What are his thoughts on everything that's happening? Um, so that'll be uh, tomorrow, and then Friday is Firearms Friday, and we will. Uh, I'm working on a couple guests right now for Firearms Friday uh, as well to talk with uh, some of those folks out there. All right, uh, let's get over to. Uh, well, the phone lines are open. First of all, if you want to practice your public speaking skills that Chris was just talking about, uh, love to hear what you love to hear what you have to say. Just give us a uh, give us a give us a ring, and uh, we'll we'll sit down and chat with you uh, today uh, on those topics. 907-433-3150. Okay. So, um, what? <laughs> I saw this story yesterday. Uh, Reason Magazine. Uh, Aaron Garth Smith. Now, I have never heard of Aaron, uh, but he, uh, he's he got some really interesting takes here. He's the Director of Education Reform at the Reason Foundation. And I've actually got an email in to the folks at Reason to see if I can get a hold of Aaron and bring him on to talk about this, because this is a fascinating topic. Uh, and I have a personal stake in this. First and foremost, I should throw that out there because I homeschooled all my kids. But here's the headline. Homeschooling parents are no threat to their kids. Stricter regulation of homeschooling families will just lead to harassment from the government. And I think that's 100% true. 100% true. There's some interesting statistics in here, and I'm going to bring Sarah Montalbano back on here in the next uh, couple weeks to talk about some of these other things. Uh, the absenteeism is a big—we're going to talk a lot about education this session. I think we're going to talk a lot about education, and there's certain components of it. Obviously, homeschooling has become a big deal, especially since the pandemic, since we saw a significant increase in—in uh, in fact, we saw a 50 percent increase across the country— in homeschooling overall, going from 2.8% uh, in 2019 to 4.7%. So, you know, that's like a 40-something percent increase in just those three or four years. In Alaska, we saw a much higher increase on that. So we're going to talk about the homeschooling aspect of it. But we're also going to talk about absenteeism. 
which apparently is a huge, huge problem across the country since COVID, with some communities reporting as much as a 40% absenteeism rate. Absenteeism is considered any time a child misses more than 10 school days in a year or semester. I think it's a year. 40%. The median is somewhere in the 28, 29 percentile range. And it definitely is going to raise some. We're going to talk a lot about this as we go through this. This article, though, uh, which I was going to give you a little bit of a sneak peek of um, from Aaron Gar Smith is up at Reason. I'm going to drop a link to it in the chat room. People can read it for themselves and maybe we can discuss it uh, as we go further along. But I do have some phone calls, so I thought we'll just uh, we'll just put it all that uh, stuff in there. I'm dropping the link in the chat room right now for that reason story. Let's go over to the phones and see what you guys have to say. If you're going to practice your public speaking, let's, uh, let's get to it. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah. Hey, this is David Neese, um, Cooper Landing, Alaska. Good morning, David from Cooper Landing. How are things down there on the peninsula? It's cold, but not like you guys. We're only minus seven. So. Oh, there you go. It's actually gotten colder Nothing since I like started Fairbanks. this morning. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just it just reminds me how glad I am that I don't live in Fairbanks anymore. Poof, man, those guys, those poor people. Yeah. Uh, and what's and no, on your mind? And no utility bills like you used to have. Oh, <laughs> man, I tell you. All right, David, well, tell us what's on your mind today. Well, I saw that, you know, education being the topic of the day, essentially, and of this session, um, I was just curious on your thoughts. Um, I have Starlink here uh, in, in Cooperland and get great service. I have one terabyte of data a month. Cost me a hundred bucks. Said it was five hundred. Um, wouldn't it be cheaper for the state to give every one of the five hundred schools a, a Starlink with a commercial account and the libraries, and then pay thirty-eight million dollars to upgrade a really bad GCI system? Like first, David, I have to ask: Is that a rhetorical question? Because, I mean, we've been. Ter- <laughs> well, we, I mean, well, yeah. Uh, we- when when I, when I was when I was in the House Education um, Sustainable Task Force, one of the things we talked about is you have to adopt new technology. You can't just keep rebuilding the old radio over and over and over again. And the bill that they're working, twenty senators voted to keep spending money on the old system. GCI microwave towers, et cetera, instead of just going like, hey, do this. And if I remember right, this fall when the power went out or something or the telephone went down in the bush, they gave them Starlinks and everybody was like really happy about it. So I don't I don't get why the push is on to spend you know, four or five hundred percent more than you need to to fix the problem. Well, first of all, it's because of one inertia and momentum. That's reason number one. Number two, you've got a huge lobby from companies like GCI, uh, Alaska Telecom, North Slope Telecom, all these different companies that are out there that are built into their business model is the fact that they're going to get these big, juicy government contracts, right? I mean, that's part of their whole business model. They will spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars lobbying to make sure that money gets spent on older, defunct technology. I mean, again, you're you're making the point for me, but why would you lay thousands of miles of fiber optic cable or some other medium to transmit Internet to all these various communities when, as you pointed out, you can drop a little unit that's the size of a, a microwave oven box into people's houses, let them set it up, 
and they can get 500, you know, 500 meg downloads for 90 bucks a month. The other day I talked about the, the North Slope Telecom. I got a press release from them about how they were bragging about how now they've got, not only do they have the new federal program that gives you cheaper internet if you qualify, but they have all these new plans. And so I went and looked at their website. And their website, I mean, for a 500 meg download uh, speed, it was $400 a month. Yet you can get the same thing from Starlink for 90 bucks. And then you see some of these rural communities, yeah, including yeah. the GCI building in Bethel, that's got pictures of Starlink dishes on their building. I mean, even GCI is using Starlink to back themselves. So the question is why? Well, again, inertia and corporate cronyism. I think that's part of the problem that's going on there, David. Um, and unfortunately, I well, everybody yeah. that everybody that uses the library in the state of Alaska, yeah, um, because that's part of the deed budget. Um, you know, down here, our library, the little tiny library, and we got a couple hundred members maybe, and they're paying like fifteen hundred dollars a month for internet. <laughs> it's just, but it's, they're it's, not really because the state pays it. Exactly. Uh, who's really paying? Well, we are paying, David. That's the thing. We are paying. We're out of time for today. Hold the line, David. Folks, we got more coming up tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Be kind, love one another, live well. David, I wanted to give you a final bite at the apple there just in case, and I got one more line on hold, So, uh, but we were running up against the top of the hour there. So any final thoughts? Oh, David didn't hold on. We got one final caller. We'll take them because why not? Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Mike, what's Bull in Fairbanks? How you doing? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Can't believe you missed this lovely weather. <laughs> you can have it. You can have all of mine. I, I give it to you freely. <laughs> hey, this Starlink thing, I think I'm going to get that this spring. If I do, within six months or a year, I'll be dead or in jail. I've never been on a computer. But anyway, the Starlink thing is the same as I'll give you a good, for instance, that I've laughed about for years. Whenever they have one of these floods or this or that, and they're shipping in truckloads and truckloads and truckloads of water, right? Imagine what those companies make for that water when they could simply hand everybody for 300 bucks, you can get a two-gallon Berkey filter. You can take water out of a mud puddle and put it in. It's potable when it comes out. It's uh... And it, it has nothing to do with efficiency. It has everything to do with who you know and what you know. And it's all because the people in this country, uh, nothing personal, but you're a great example, love their, their wealth better than their liberty. They will give up every freedom in the world if it keeps their wealth running. You know? Okay. All right, Bull. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on that. You'll have to let me know once you get Starlink what it's like to jump into the 21st century. That's uh, That'll be an interesting conversation. Like I said, six months to a year, I'll be dead or in jail. <laughs> All right, Bull. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you uh being part of it. Okay, folks, that's it for today. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We'll see you tomorrow.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.